0: has finished at Sunderland Manchester United have done all they can that really goal was enough for the three points Manchester City is still alive here the
1: You are listening to the Bolt from the Blue Podcast with Mike Long and Walter Smith. Now Walter, um, I and many other blue fans remember the first time that we saw you online on something called football Fancast, torturing some poor rag during the 6-1 at Old Trafford. Tell our listeners a little bit about that and how you got into that. Football fancast is when two supporters are filmed following their team or supporting their team during the game.
0: Uh it's all started because um I was twiddling my thumbs one weekend, I hadn't much on and uh Danny Jackson from the famous Fanzoner, Fanzone Danny, who now works at City and he's a decent lad. He uh, had a word with... Well, he put out a statement on Blue Moon Forum and just simply asked. I can't, his back had gone. So it was all down to down his bad back. I didn't ask him what he was doing to upset his back. Would anyone fancy doing this? And I just read it and went, yeah, I'll do that. Fella from Sky phoned up and he spoke to me. Crystal Palace fan. And he spoke to me for about five, ten minutes. And then he came to the conclusion, yeah, you're not going to clam up, are you? And I said, mate, I have no problem talking in front of a camera. So, funny enough, it was uh, Blackpool Away was the first one. And um did the Blackpool Away, and we won. And I just remember he was saying, oh, you know, you we were great, blah, blah, blah. And for whatever reason, no idea why, when the derby came up, I just got this message, would you be interested in doing the derby? And I thought... This could go one of two ways. It could go one of two ways. You know, you could you could be a legend in your own underpants or you could just be that dopey Bert who was sat there and took a load of abuse. When you look back at it in retrospect, you know, what city fan wouldn't take that opportunity. It just turned out the way it did, you know. Thanks to the team for scoring six goals. Absolutely and it could have been ten. I just remember getting back off the out of the studio and talking to a deflated United fan. And I'm like, i mean, in just <laughs> adrenaline city, I'm in. Because they do it down in London. So I, fl- I got flown down first class. I couldn't have any beer either because I had to drive to Manchester Airport, which is probably a good thing when you think about it. Get back, uh, came out just adrenaline on 11 out of 10. And I'm trying to just talk to, I'm getting to the taxi and I'm like, oh, mate, did, did you see that? We just, I'm a United 6-1. And it's like, all right going through security. Did you just see that? We beat United 6-1. Right, so you need to take your keys out and make sure you take your belt off as you come through. I get on the plane, I get back to Manchester, arrive back late, and you've no idea how they're going to edit it. It's it's 95 minutes, so you've no idea how it's going to be edited. You're just there thinking to yourself, right, I hope it comes out okay. And I got home and. a because my battery had died, and I flicked on the computer, and I saw a a thread saying, on Blue Moon, because I was going to just read about the game, and it's like, did anybody see the fan zone? And I'm like, (laughs) tentatively clicking on it, like, oh God, how's this going to turn out? And it, Well, you don't know, so then it was just me shouting, take it, and just giving this poor United fan just absolute dogs abuse. Whether he phoned the Samaritans the next day, or whether he got absolute... Pelt us, you know, from this day to now for that. I've no idea. Um, but it was just one of those experiences that you're so glad you were given the opportunity to, to take part in. And then um, you're so glad that the team just performed on the day. And then you just, I, I, I did a few more. I did the Tottenham one and I did the Newcastle one with Yaya. And uh, funny enough, the Newcastle guy was just brilliant I and mean, we were there. And we both, put. we met up beforehand, had a big slap-up breakfast, and the two of us just went, as I'm walking past the door, he said to me, should we put some dresses on, just underneath? So I felt quite liberated that day. And whoever scored, whoever scored I had to whip the shirt off and throw it round whilst exposing a man in a dress. But, yeah, it was just, what a fantastic opportunity, and City won the league, and from that day onwards... Um, I'm not fans of Walter, and just, but it was sort of like, what a pleasure to be able to participate in something as brilliant as that. And I'm just sort of glad that uh, stepped up to the plate on the day. It could have been very different on another.
1: You are listening to The Bolt from the Blue Podcast with Mike Long and Walter Smith. Right. I mean, we all remember that game, that 6-1. I mean, every Man City supporter has got a memory of that game. But to be such... I mean to be so centrally involved in it, and I think that is the re- that that's when I first noticed you on the internet scrolling through. And I've been a City fan since 1978, and then I saw you in the middle. I saw this young guy with a Man City shirt on. He was giving it back to the United fans. City fans were just like right behind you and thinking, "Come on, come on, give it to them." <laughs>
0: Well, yeah and no in terms of, I saw it, and it's, honestly, when I watch it, it's like watching somebody else, so I remember the Football Ramble picked up on it, so they kind of ran with it, and it it was sort of, they explained it to me better than sort of any City fan has, really, and it was about this pent-up years of frustration that you just literally unload, and, do you know, it was even great that they scored, because... He thought they were back in it, you know, and it gave him that sort of, that glimmer of hope to then just go and absolutely bash the living daylights out of that hope. And the beauty of it is, cause of the such, so, cause of the, the five goals that we scored, that gave us a plus ten in the, cause five against them, five for us, and that ultimately won us the league, because of the goal difference from that game. I mean, there's a million other factors, but, especially just the fact that that damaged, I mean, I I was looking, I had, um, it made me laugh, I remember, because I I had a live feed to it, and I could hear Joe Hart saying, that he was getting death threats from the Stretford End during the game, and, uh, you know, they were just so much, so frustrated, and, it it just, I mean, there's that, I love the Tottenham game, the Newcastle game, they're all just fantastic, I mean, because we didn't know how, we had no idea about us, we were going on to win the league. We were just thinking, this is just great, you know, Sheik Mansour bought us a few years, you know, and we didn't know how Silver and, you know, etc. Yaya were going to settle into this team. And, you know, you had Aguero just, not belong being signed as well. So everything just came together under Mancini and you could see Mancini's grin and, you could see Ferguson's post-match where it looked like someone had dug him up, literally. Such was the shock on his face. Um, you know, it's, it was just, I'm just a perfect storm, as they call it. So, to be honest, I've you're in a booth. You've got a camera pointing at you. You're watching a game down in London. You've got these big clunky headphones on. You know the guy next to you is going to try and ram anything down your throat. But when your team scores six, he's going to take it all day long. You know what I mean?
1: First thing we need to ask you about is Man City in the World Cup. England, Belgium, Germany, Argentina, France, Spain, Portugal. We have like one or two players playing for those uh, teams. And what I would like to begin with, the 6-1 and the performance of John Stones.
0: Well, I mean, the highlight for me has got to be... The poor the poor, unfortunate City fan, Jess, on Twitter, telling everybody that she'd have a John Stones tattoo if, if John Stones scored. And she just, it was a flippant comment and we all make them on Twitter until Carl Walker retweets it and then tells John Stones and he makes a little video to go with it. I mean, us, us City fans, we've seen what John Stones is capable of. And, you know, it's because he takes a bash in the media and because his form hasn't been as good towards the end of the season, we've all seen exactly what he's capable of. And, you know, the guy is a young, quality centre-half who can bring the ball forward, who's good with his head, has got a nice touch and can certainly give it a bang at goal. So, to be surprised that Stone's sort of elevated at this World Cup it doesn't come as a shock to me but i'm sure it'll come to a shock to a lot of people who haven't sat and watched city this year but yeah i love the fact that uh you had stones uh i'm trying to think... the jeff stones walker sterling and Delphine at the same time in the in the middle of the second half we had all of them on
1: there it looked like um, a half a man city team
0: well it, it practically is isn't it you know and it makes me laugh is people uh, are sort of Using almost uh, this sort of excuse to still bash Sterling, even though he didn't score, fine, you get six goals. He's got assists in there, not assist, assists. And on top of that, what he's also do- does is his movement off the ball creates a lot of space for all the others. I mean, I notice once you start watching Pep Guardiola teams week in, week out, you not know be I mean, funny, any other football you watch, it's a big step down. And you can see that there. Um, but fair play to the lads. You know, it, they're like watching football from the 70s. You know what I mean? It's... Uh, but, I mean, but that's what England used to pride themselves on. And that's one of the nice things about England this time is they're not... You, people's putting the team. It's not about individuals anymore. It's not about your Beckons or your Roonies or whatever. Kane's about the nearest to it. But it's collective and it's the first time i remember england at a world cup for, i don't know, for how many years where they haven't got that one player you know who's got the broken metatarsal who has to come back in and there's so much media attention about that one player and that well i think that's killed it's not i think that mentality often has killed england's chances because you know there's they've had decent players with as the so called golden generation but it's not about that. It's not about if one player was injured in that squad. Well, hang on a minute. Well, that means we're not going to win the World Cup. or if we had such and such in the squad, the squad in itself. And you know, Southgate's been incredibly intelligent in this and bringing the media's attention completely to the team, the team, and he's not focusing on individuals either. And you know, this idea of getting the whole squad out to like almost speed dating the journals to answer questions. That in itself, it's like an NFL type thing. That is promoting the whole team. You're not just getting the captain, you know, who's answering questions. You've got a whole team unit and a team ethic. And um, I can see that against Belgium. I can see quite a few of the, the squad players being given that chance. I'm quite excited to see how going to get on in the World Cup. Um, if he's given a chance, because that pace of his, and I think... In, the problem with the Premier League is, that it's promoted all around the world, so everybody's going to be quite aware of that pace, but what do you do against raw pace? It's quite difficult sometimes. So, yeah, I'm quite, I mean, I'm glad the City boys are doing well, especially for England.
1: Well, here's a question for you, Walter. For the England boys, they're all fig- trying to figure out whether it would be more wise to finish in first place or in second place because at the moment it seems like that if you finish in second, you're going to end up facing Japan and if you finish in first place, you're going to face Colombia. And everyone's a little bit scared of Colombia. So many people have been saying on the media, well, no, just screw that. you try to maintain momentum and you try to maintain winning form and you don't care about these other opponents. Do do you have any particular view on whether it would be wiser of England to finish first or second? I
0: thought Man City facing Wigan was a good one, but it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> As a team, you always want the easiest games. And facing Japan, you would feel... I mean there was talk of this being the worst Japanese team, it's certainly from Japan in 20 years going to a World Cup but um, Japan would be the easier route and you need to take the easier route if you can but I'd love just the spectacle of watching two teams who don't want to finish top, you know the amount of own goals or whatever it'd be quite an interesting spectacle to watch, Uh, there'd be talk about you know Betting syndicates and all sorts going on from watching a game like that. Um, to be honest, there's two sides to the coin and both sides of the coin have got the pros and cons to it. So, do the, beating Belgium, I'm telling you now, beating Belgium would be a, a great feather in the cap. But then if it means you face Colombia, you know, your prize isn't so great you just got to play who you've got to play. And I can see both teams putting weakened teams out. But ultimately, Roberto Martinez is their manager. And as I said, giving him control of Kevin De Bruyne is like giving an F1 to a five-year-old. He just doesn't know what to do with him. You know, he's looking at him thinking he's got one of the world's most gifted players and he's playing in completely out position. What some people have
1: been talking about on Twitter is about Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker, as you know, is being employed on the right-hand side of a three. Some people are thinking that Kyle Walker is being restricted by Southgate's system.
0: What do you think about that? I think he's got the system just right, to be honest. What you've got is you've got three centre-halves there, and you've got Walker's the one who's got the pace who can dig out the other two. A lot of it depended on Trippier. And to be fair, Trippier's done a sterling job, pardon the pun, but, you know, he's gets down, his form for Tottenham wasn't great towards the end of the season but ultimately he's got forward he's he's been covered at the back but he will be defensive but when he does get forward he brings this unique ability to be able to dig out that cross and what a crosser of the ball he is. So fair play to Trippi, a lot of this um, system relied upon him and he stepped up to the plate it has relied on Walker as well. And Walker, for me, is one of the best right-backs in the world. Well, he certainly was last season. But having that ability to have him dig out the centre-halves while allowing Trippier and this kind of form to bomb on, you know, it, it's, worked, it's worked well so far. So, unless you're going to come... I mean, they've not, not been two great teams they've played, but you can only beat what's before you, is an old saying, because, well, it's true. And that's what I'd be saying about... That defensive system, I think Southgate's got it right. In the penalty
1: that Walker gave away, um, he kind of uh, turned his back on the player and the accusation was that he was a little bit heavy-handed with his arm. And when I saw it, I don't know if you did too, it took me right back to the penalty he gave away against Everton. It was very, very similar. So I'm wondering, do you think that someone needs to have a word in the ear about turning your back on people and and throwing your arms out
0: uh, you mean it wasn't a penalty when he got he got sent off the Everton home game yeah I think that it was similar but I think to me the problem with doing that is you needlessly give the referee a question that he's got to answer and I thought I would, thought it was more of a penalty than it was a sending off but I think he's he's used his body but then he's used his his arm in the area and you just think hang on mate, you know you're more talented than that you can use your whole body without using your arm and then I think he'd have got away with it but if you're throwing up your arm, well number one it can quite easily hit the ball but number two it, if it strikes someone, again you're giving that you're giving the guy or you're giving the, the referee the question to answer. And he answered it. So it was just, he's he's got something to learn from that. he Definitely, yeah.
1: Let's move on to uh, Brazil. And, of course, with Brazil, we have Fernandinho, Danino, Ederson and De Jesus. In the games that we have seen so far, we have seen a slightly muted performance by Gabriel Uh, Jesus, but how do you how do you feel about our Man City Brazilians going forward?
0: Well, uh, I was I was watching it. I think the problem for Gabby J up front is everything goes through Neymar. And I was looking, I was looking at one of the games there, and I I noticed Gabby J was in a position where at Manchester City he would receive the ball. But the problem is, it goes to Neymar, and Neymar takes the long shot. Because, unfortunately, the same with Portugal, with Ronaldo, Argentina, with Messi, Brazil, with Neymar. They start to, be, start to fall down the trap that England used to have, where they have this star player. Now, whether that was Rooney, or Shearer, or Beckham, and that becomes the focal point. Now, if one player becomes the focal point, it makes it easy for a quality opposition to shut that player down, unless you're Ronaldo and you get a hat trick against Spain. So, <laughs> but Neymar's not not a Ronaldo, and he plays for himself, and ultimately that has a negative impact. I feel on Gabby Jesus up front, but he's got years, hasn't he? He's got absolute years, and we've all seen the player and the strikes that he can produce at City. So you just hope that. He gets more of that ball in the better positions, Um Neymar. I know I'm, I'm I'm sort of it's a long shot, isn't it? But Neymar just isn't such a selfish git. You know, he, he involves his teammates a bit more because they will dig him out.
1: Well, we haven't seen uh, much in the France team of uh, Benjamin Mendy because they're using Lucas Hernandez uh, for that. So far, because I guess that they want to give Mendy some time to recover. But with the Belgian team, although we haven't seen Vinny Company, we have seen Kevin De Bruyne. And one of the interesting things, Walter, I I don't know if you saw this, was that even though Belgium won the the game very, very easily, 5-2, a lot of people were saying, my goodness, he put in four or five Absolute rocket missile passes, and they were all shunned
0: by Batshuayi. Did did you see that? Uh, I mean, were you following that at all? Well, I did. I mean, the thing is, Kevin De Bruyne playing that deep for me is like getting an electrician around to look at your plumbing. You know, he might be able to do the job, but he won't be able to do the job as well as you know an expert in that role. And Kevin De Bruyne is far more effective. For Manchester City and for any team he play for, playing way further up the pitch. And what you've got to realise is when he's playing for Manchester City, the players know his game and the players know the positions to be in because Peps drilled them. You've got Roberto Martinez here and you've got Kevin De Bruyne laying off these passes, and the other Belgian players that don't play with him week in, week out are not used to somebody who's going to literally deliver it on a plate in the area that it needs to be. They... Kevin De Bruyne is just so good. I mean, he's just so good and he's wasted. If if teammates aren't on the same wavelength as him, it, it's a little bit like, do you remember Ali Benabi when he played for us? Well, that's it, you know, he'd get that ball and he'd it, be like looking and looking at his player thinking, and then he'd start pointing, mate, you need to be over there, whatever that is in broken French. You know, you, you need to be over there. And, you know, he'd have the ability, Ali Benabia, to turn on it a few times until the player got into the position and then he'd sort of lay it off. And in some respects, if you've got a player of such quality that Kevin De Bruyne is and such eye for movement and when he's laying off that ball, if players aren't picking up on that, you know, they need to readjust their inner radios to sort of try and tune in with what's going on. Okay, guys, well, we're
1: just going to go through uh, a little bit of news uh, about Man City that we've been reading in the papers. Apparently, Ilkay Gundogan is uh, angling to uh, have his contract renewed, and apparently the Blues feel exactly the same way. They want to renew that contract. Walter, are you happy for Gundogan to receive an extended
0: contract? Absolutely. He's. How many players are that good? Tell me another team he wouldn't walk into, in the Premier League. So we've got a player who's in and out of the team, and he's looking. You know, he's replacing either De Bruyne or sometimes the Fernandinho or sometimes uh, David Silva. What other player on this planet could we get that would be happy with the amount of playing time he's getting? And. He always just comes across as such a nice guy. So, you know, there, you don't see him kicking off or anything. So, to have no sort of... it doesn't seem to have any ego. That type of player, no ego, able to fulfil the positions he does, will take limited amount of time on the pitch. <sighs> you know what I mean? Get this guy signed down for a few more years. Absolutely.
1: If you've been... Following the news, you will know that, of course, after Argentina's terrible 3-0 loss uh, against uh, Croatia, Aguero was confronted in the mix zone by the journalists, and uh, they were uh, they, they were quoting to him things that Sam Pauli had said. Of course, he said that the team had not adapted well to the skills of Messi. Aguero basically said, let him say what he wants to say. And he said that and he walked away. And now everyone is reporting that in Argentina's final game, Pauli is still there. He hasn't been ejected, but that Aguero will be left out of the team. What do you think about all of this stuff?
0: It's great for Manchester City, isn't it? Get that boy in cotton wool and get him home. Um. I think Argentina has suffered uh, about four managers, I think, now in three years. So you've got—I mean, it's like if you—if you're there in your in your profession and you've got four head teachers with four completely different uh, ideas about how education should be, and not be funny. By the time the fourth one comes along, you won't know your A from your E. You know, you're just going to be there thinking, "Well, hang on a minute." there's that many sort of changes and policies and coming at you that you're going to end up with a mess. And unfortunately, I think that's what's happened for Argentina. They've uh, had play, uh, managers come in, some want to be defensive, some want to adopt three at the back, five at the back, some of them want to adopt four at the back. Uh, but, but that's what I'm saying. So, so what you've got is, you've got literally four different voices over the last few years. And what you've got to remember is this isn't like a Premier League, and that would affect any club in the Premier League. This is a manager who only gets hold of his players for limited amounts of time. You know, they fly him in mostly from Europe, the land, and he's got to get his ideas across to these players. So I think ultimately that's what sort of messed their opportunity of doing well in this World Cup, I think the aging squad hasn't helped them and I think it's the last chance for Aguero and Messi and you know possibly Di Maria, you know, to actually be this sort of golden generation of Argentinian players. Because they got to the World Cup final last year or last year, last World Cup. And you know the way things went in the final they lost but quite easily they could have won it. And we could be talking about one of the best teams on the planet four years ago and the shambles they are now. There's got to be reasons for that, and that's what I'm putting it down to. But, you know, the players coming through, the younger players, aren't of the quality that the older players are, but also what they seem to be doing is, if you look at the players, they they gather the ball, they collect the ball, and the first thing they do is head up, where's Messi? So any team now is going to be putting three or four players literally focused on Messi. For me, he's the best player in the world. But what what are you going to do? What are you going to do? As far as Aguero is concerned, he said what he said. It's not outrageous. If he's fallen out with a manager, fine. Get him in cotton wool, get him back, get him rearing, get Pep in his head, let the goal machine unleash again on the Premier League.
1: Well, we do have to mention something. It's been a slow... Uh, Newsweek, as you know, Walter, but nonetheless, we've had some information coming through about Mares and Jorginho. And about Mares, uh, the latest reports suggests that Mares is holding up the deal because he wants to have a little portion of the transfer fee. And there is a little bit of background to this, of course. Um, people remember that when we wanted to sign Fernandinho, there was a similar situation, about a 4 million or a 5 million uh, pound loyalty. But Fernandinho actually forfeited that money. He actually didn't want to pursue it or chase it because he wanted to play for Man City. But it seems that Marez is desirous of this 3 or 4 million uh, pounds before he will go to, Man City. What do you think about this, Waldrop?
0: Well, we don't know really the inner workings of what's going on. I mean, I, I can understand how Leicester feel because we used to have it, you know, whereby you had a, you have good players, but the, the top players end up with the top clubs. That's just the way it is, you know. If, if Brad Pitt moves into your street and takes designs on your missus, you know, you're not going to be happy about it. But it's a, it's a case of. Well, that's it, you know. It's a case of what can you do? So he's looking for his payout, which is apparently, that's sort of written up, Leicester are going to make an enormous profit on him. Let's not forget that. He's been fantastic for Leicester, but, you know, Leicester plucked him from playing against farmers to literally one of the top league in the world, but he's repaid them. So they've had a mutually beneficial sort of arrangement for the last few years and it just seems a little bit sad and sour in the mouth you know that they're gonna part ways and I don't think he's gonna have a problem with the Leicester fans I think it's um the board of the Leicester fans really appreciate what he's done for them all
1: right let's move on and of course we have to say something about Jorginho and of course everyone who's a Man City fan on Twitter or Facebook want to kill themselves if they hear one more port about the fact that this deal is close uh, I think the one that I was um, interested in, uh, Walter was the one given by Noel Gallagher he finished a concert in in, in Naples, in Napoli and uh, when he finished the concert he said thank you thank you to you guys, thank you to Napoli and thank you very much for Jorginho,
0: do you think maybe that Noli G knows something more than we do I have no idea. I don't have no idea what Noel Gallagher's connections at the club are, but I mean, he seems confident. I'm confident. The only there's two words that rattle my confidence: Danny Alves. That's it. Otherwise, you know, the agent said he's coming. He's on holiday in Brazil, so good luck to him. You know, he's there. He'll be fresh for the for the new season. He wants to come Napoli. It's all agreed there. It's just the Danny Elvas, the Danny Alves uh, elephant in the room is the only reason I wouldn't be just sort of nailing me colors to the mast. Never believe it until you see it on the side.
1: Uh, one thing is a big report in a lot of newspapers linking us with Jerome Boteng. And of course we had him in the Mancini era and we all know that uh, Roberto employed him as a right-back and not as a centre-back and a lot of City fans feel that we missed out on his talent because of Mancini's insistence that he play as a right-back but nonetheless reports are linking us apparently Bayern Munich have let it be known have let it be known that for 50 million euros uh, you can have this player I'm just wondering what do you think about that? A lot of the British uh, media were absolutely killing this guy after his performance in the last game for Germany. Doesn't seem like a bad option for your fifth place centre back, uh,
0: Walter. What do you think? I think if you're going to reply, I mean, it ultimately, be looking at him sort of competing with any company to try and get into the team, and. He's got a, f- a not massively dissimilar injury record to any company as well. For 50 million quid, on his day, he's absolutely fantastic. But for 50 million quid, I'd rather see it spent somewhere else. I think this is a guy, Pep knows his game inside out, and I trust Pep's judgment on it completely. But for me, you're looking at a guy whose injury record is poor, has been caught out time and time again. Positionally, you sometimes question you know where he's at, where he's actually at and why he's there. For me, it'd be a no from me. But if we sign and he performs brilliantly, I'll love him just the same. This is a guy who got injured on a plane by an air hostess's trolley. So you know, that's the that's the kind of calibre we're sort of we're looking at and I personally think there's better out there to be going and having a look at. I wouldn't let him sign for another premiership club and then go on and do wonderful things because then that would just be a great kick in the nuts for me. Okay, Walter.
1: I'm just going to whip through three or four things. and You don't have to comment on all of them, but they were in the news, so let's uh, let's mention it. Um, we were talking last time about uh, Brahim Dehaas and Phil Foden. Apparently, uh, according to Diario Sport uh Brahim Díaz has been given an offer to come across and play for FC Girona. He is represented by Pere Guardiola, of, of course, the brother of Pep Guardiola. And the news is that uh, Pep is happy to let that happen. And with Phil Foden, of course, we heard the rumours that uh, Phil Foden would be going to join Marcelo Bielsa at Ellen Road for Leeds. I don't know about you, Walter, but I've got a little bit of history with, with Bielsa. I think he's a complete nutcase. But uh, that I guess that was the only reason why people gave a lot of credence to that, because we know that Guardiola worships Bielsa, as of course we all do, in, in a certain way. But uh, those were the, the two reports about Brahim and Phil Foden. Brahim to FC Girona and Phil Foden to Leeds United under Marcelo Bielsa. What do you think about that?
0: Out of the two, I'd rather Diaz went to FC Girona. And there's multiple reasons for that. Uh, number one, anytime you loan out a player, you're looking at a player going to a different club, the long-term interests of that player are never with the club that they're being loaned to. They know they've got them for a short time, so often you wonder, do they invest the time into that young player to bring them on for the parent club? Um, So the fact that we own FC Girona, but any player we send there never seems to come back. And I'm looking at Phil Foden to Leeds is just no, no, followed by a no. And the reason for that is that Championship League is full of cloggers and athletes. And for a kid, and he is a kid, to be introduced into that sort of atmosphere or that sort of robust sort of type football, I don't think it does his progression any good. Because when he comes back to Manchester City and he's playing in the Premier League, he ain't going to be playing against teams like that. He's going to be playing, he's not going to be playing around players like that either. So it's a completely different system and the fact that Bielsa is just a nutcase as you would say and then you look at the lead chairman who's a nutcase as well, I'm wondering really? Okay
1: Walter, well just to finish off with I think on this episode two of our podcast, two pieces of news. The first thing is that Brandon Barker, a guy that used to be one of our academy members, apparently has been sought out by Stephen Gerrard. Uh, Apparently Gerrard wants to sign uh, Brandon Barker on a season loan, uh, loan loan, but City actually want a permanent deal. That's what they're interested in because City's Academy Director, Mark Allen, a former Academy Director, used to work for City, he now works for Rangers. I guess that he thinks that he can get a good deal. So that's the news about Brandon Barker. And finally, one thing that we didn't talk about last time um, is, of course, that Patrick Vieira, who used to be the New York FC manager, has gone to Nice. Do you have any comments about that? Or do you think that both of these things are natural progressions?
0: I look at uh, Brandon Barker and it's such a shame because his, his star was so bright when he was a youngster you know, and he was getting these rave reviews, and rightly so. This was a kid who had the world at his feet, but just seemed to absolutely stall. He never took it any further, and you wonder what actually, you know, as youngsters, we, we give them the world, and sometimes you got to wonder what that actually does to the mentality. Where, 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 Where's his hunger to go on? You know, he's on extraordinary money, he'll have people hanging off him, left, right and centre and the fact that he's from Manchester as well means that he'll still be hanging around with the same mates as well and sometimes that can have a massive detrimental effect to a player who's growing up in an area where people do are hanging on to whether it's for money, prestige, whatever, going out with a, a footballer, so a move away from Manchester and up to somewhere like Glasgow might be the perfect kickstart. He needs to leave City for his own professional development. The Rangers need a player? Um, the last time I watched Rangers was a good few years ago. Um, but if Steven Gerrard is willing to give him the opportunity, Brandon Barker, this is, for me, one of his last rolls of the dice because Lee Croft was in a similar position and his career just ended up petering out in the lower divisions. Brandon Barker is going to go the same way Unless you really grasp this chance with both hands. Absolutely. I
1: think everyone would echo those sentiments. Okay, let's wrap up episode two right here. You can find both of us on Twitter. Walter is at Man City Smith and I'm at Bolt from the Blue. Check out the blog site as well at boltfromtheblue.life. We hope you enjoy this episode and tune in again for the next one next week. Up the blues! <music>